Hello, welcome to another episode of Rich Chains Leicester Square Theatre Podcast with my guest Alice Lowe. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by Beer 52. Uh, if you want to get eight free craft beers like this one, Starvation, it's a black IPA. I'm terrified. Uh, you get eight beers for free. Just pay £2.95 package and posting by heading to beer52.com slash Rahalastapa. And uh, if you then stay with them, you'll get eight beers a month for £24. And they're all different ones. You get some crisps. You get a magazine explaining everything about what's going on. Look at that. It's pretty cool. Uh, and it's good fun. But you can just leave uh, by phone or email after your free beers if you wish. Also, why not buy Rich Chang's Emergency Questions? It's available from gofasterstripe.com slash EQ. Uh, you can play Rahalastapa Rahalastapa with your friends at home or with strangers on the bus. Or if there's a celebrity who lives near you, why not shout through their letterbox? Have you ever tried to suck your own cock? Stuff like that. But there's a thousand and one questions. You can play this with your friends and family. It's the perfect Christmas gift. Why not get it for Christmas? Please buy it. Please. Uh, anyway... Thanks for watching this. Let's see. come and see a show live as well. We're at the Leicester Square Theatre.com. Uh, and uh, you might be able to get tickets for some remaining shows. I'm not sure when this is going out. Anyway, let's sit back, relax, and enjoy Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who, just before the show, spilt an entire cup of coffee over his desk in his computer and his watch and his phone. It's Richard Herring! <laughs> to uh, Rich Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. I was hanging around with um, the guys from Skang for Girls uh, the other day. Not, not the singer, the other, the other two blokes. Good, they're good lads. You remember this? They've got a slightly weird name. It's a nice, like, creepy name, isn't it? It's slightly, if you listen to them again, slightly rapey songs. Uh, and um, slightly rapey. You wouldn't be able to scouting for girls. You wouldn't get away with that now in the 2010s, would you? Straight to prison. Uh, they're nice guys, though. Uh, they call it a Rahalastabus. I don't know if that's going to catch on. Uh, so, um, oh, yes. Uh, I, oh, no, I'll do that in the next one. That's all right. Uh, so, uh, I should have used that one. That's, I had a bit of a routine about that. That would have been ace. Uh, so, thank you for coming along. Oh, the show is, uh, as you may know, sponsored by Beer 52. We may uh, sample some of their beer. If you want uh, eight free craft beers, go to beer52.com slash RHLSTP and you can get them for £2.95 pack and posting should have said that in the intro uh before this intro uh so uh, they're very nice we're gonna drink some i might give some to the to the people in the front row later that's the kind of guy i am go get the party get the party started um and uh, my book emergency questions uh, as you may know um and uh, uh the week this was recorded uh banksy painting remember was sold at auction wasn't it and then banksy's had little scamp in he set up <laughs> Without the auction house knowing, somehow, he decided... <laughs> even though, surely they'd look over all the stuff beforehand just to check it's genuine and stuff, and... Usually it's on a little podium, innit? Uh, but they put it on the wall for some reason. They were, oh, it's all right, you can put it on the wall, mate, your bank says. No, we won't look at the spikes, and it's fine, no, it's... They had no idea what was going to happen. No, the auctioneer pressed a button just at the end for some reason. No, they had no idea. What was going on? But now, uh, he's, uh, Banksy shook because he ripped it all up, then he shredded it all, and now that painting is worthless, except it's worth twice as much as it was worth. So that is that. He showed the bloke who bought that, didn't he? Or the woman who bought that. So I wondered if that was also true of my book, Emergency Questions. <laughs> this uh, retails for twelve ninety nine. You can get a bit cheaper on uh, Amazon and go faster, right? But I wonder, I'm going to put this copy of the book on eBay after this show as a broadcast. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm a bit like Banksy. It seems a shame, doesn't it, to destroy something? It seems, I don't know, is this art? It seems rude to the people who made this book. Also, I've got, to, I've got to use this one with the guests. So uh, it's um, luckily. Would you rather date a man who has a six-foot penis or a man who had a penis and stuff? That's still in there, so that's okay. We're still. We're still there. I'll gather up those. I'll don't know. Don't you art, you art collectors. Don't get them. Get those. Look at that. That's going to be worth. So that'll go on eBay. Herring 1967. Search for me on eBay. Let's see if we can get more than. Uh, see if we can get more than 12.99 for it. Or if we, if it's in fact worth less because some of the pages 
are slightly spoiled, you could stick them back together again, as you could with the Banksy. Uh, so that is my uh, satire. That's my satire of the art world there. Uh, my daughters, weirdly, if you saw my show Over Again 50, which is out uh, on DVD and uh, download, uh, probably now, um, is uh, the, she's got quite obsessed with the black penguin from the, uh, the, the penguin race game. She's been carrying it around with her all the time and insisting, like we had, a, it was my son's birthday this weekend and lots of photos and she held up the penguin in every photo. There's some really cute photos and she held up, the, the penguin had to be in every photo. But also she said uh, the penguin was talking to her and was relaying questions from someone called Simon and that was telling her to do things. And she was going, Simon. She was literally doing I was luckily away this night because I don't think I could have slept in the house with this. Tell me what to do, Simon. Literally doing that. Okay, Simon. So I'm hoping that's something to do with Simon Says and not with, you know, we've got a ghost baby in our house. If I find out that ghost baby, the baby and I died in a house called Simon, I'm, gonna, I'm leaving. I'm leaving my family behind. <laughs> Fuck them. Uh, but uh, happy birthday to my horrible son. Did massive shit, diarrhea shit, and then just waved his legs around on his birthday. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Love that. Uh, so we'll talk about the female Doctor Who next week. Sorry, there isn't time to do it in this one. So uh, I would like to introduce our first guest, because I've been ripping up books. I've not got time. Could have done it in the time I've said we haven't got time. Our first guest, uh, sorry, our only guest this week, (laughs) is probably best known as Woman on Bench in Little Britain. That's why we're all here tonight. Though you may also know her as Mother on Bench from the next episode of Little Britain. She was in two episodes of Little Britain. I'm interested to find out how she characterised those women on bench and mother on bench differently. It's Alice Lowe, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Alice Lowe. Welcome. Hello. Welcome to this mad podcast. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Good. Yeah, I've got a bit of a cold, so I'm a bit husky. Sorry. That's everyone. okay. I hadn't, I hadn't noticed. <clears throat> I've got a bit of a snotty cold. Have you? Yeah, we all have, snotty. haven't we? We've yeah. all got. A, hands up if you've got a virus. <laughs> <laughs> I know how you feel. Genital warts? <laughs> yeah, no, probably. So, um, let's talk about Little Britain, first of all. Yeah, Do you remember you were, the, you were a woman on bench and mother on bench? Did they really put me on a bench yeah. twice? Yeah. In two different sketches? Yeah. Well, I don't know if maybe it was the same sketch, but they also, why were you called a woman on bench one week and mother on bench? Um, I think it's two different sketches. Two different sketches, two different characters. I think I was in both series. Because you also were in Come Fly With Me, which is by the Little Britain guys, in playing a young mum. Were you on a bench? No, I was was on an airplane seat. Sitting down. (laughs) They don't. They want me to sit down. They do. For some reason, they know me as a sitting down actress. Do you know what is absolutely true? I love sitting down. Yeah, I do. You know, it's one of the appeals of doing a podcast. It's It's like, oh, do I get to sit down? You do sit down if you want, unless you're Brian Blessed, and then you'll stand up a bit. (laughs) Uh, uh, I like it when you're acting and you know the whole scene sat down. That makes that such an easy job. Oh my god, that's. (laughs) My favourite scenes is when they go, you're in a bed, she's ill, or she's like asleep, and you're like, oh my God, I'll get to just like be in pyjamas and lie in a bed. It's so funny being an actor, because you just mainly complain about your lack of work until you get work, and then you're just like, when's my day off? When's my day off? When do I get to do, oh, I'm in a bed in this scene. (laughs) Brilliant. I get to lie down. Yeah. Unless I was once in a bed dressed as Captain Oates. With, and this, then this sketch ever got shown and then and someone had to d- jiggle up and down on top of me having sex with me because oh. uh, the joke was Captain Oates kept on saying he was going he was happy to leave but then kept on coming back and going but you know was, I'm, I'm going to go now I'll die out there it's fine <laughs> so then there was a load of other sketches where he was having potato. they were eating potatoes and someone said can I have the last potato and they go yeah it's fine I mean, I've had no potatoes, but if you, you've had four, but if you want the last one, that's fine. Uh, and so he was having sex with the lady, and then she came and he didn't, hadn't gone, it's fine. Oh, it hasn't come. Wow, what, what was this for? It was for uh, just my private collection. <laughs> it, was a, it was a long, protracted way of getting a woman to jiggle up and down on top of me. Uh, wow. It was quite nice, but I was dressed as Captain Oates. <laughs> That's my, that's my thing. Why have you got a machine for that's card processing? On? Just in case. You know, you feel like donating. It's an expensive, uh, it's expensive to put these podcasts on. <laughs> do I have to pay for one of these? Yes. You're going to charge me. They're three pounds each. I actually do want... Which one would you like a beer? Card. 
So this is Beer 52. You can get these at home. I, I like the look of this mm. one. It's okay. called Zamajaska Pivarara. It's got a dragon on it. That's that quite scary. That will do me. I'll There's try a bottle over there, so you can have that one. Now watch um, me fail at this. And this oh, is a black IPA. Oh, yeah. Exotic. Uh, let's put ink in it. It's all right. And uh, it's called Starvation, which is a oh. really weird name for a beer. So I'm going to try that one. <laughs> it will make you so hungry. That's actually nice. Do you like it? Yeah, it's yeah, lovely. They're very, they're crafty, these beers. <laughs> That's why people have crafted these. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I think dear. It's, sound like it's pure evil. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's nice. Um, so, um, yeah, so let's have a look at what I've got written down. Little Britain. Was it nice working with the Little Britain guys? Yeah, I love working with them, actually. Right. They were always really nice to me um, in that way of like, we know that you've got no money and that you're a failure. <laughs> but, you know, we will throw you some crumbs and let you be mother <laughs> on, on bench. bench. Yeah. Um, but no, they're, they're, they were always, they've always been great. Okay. Um, I did need the money at the time as well. It was quite did a you? lifeline, if I'm honest. <laughs> like, you get 250 oh quid for doing God. this? Um, yeah, so I know. That's, that's right. Payday. Just you, yeah, just in case you're worried. But then you're going to charge me for the <laughs> beer. Charge, you for, charge you to get out. <laughs> so I'll have to make some deductions. From the, from oh, the I'm, quite, I'm quite drunk now. We were drinking backstage as well. Or you yeah, really I'm not used backstage. to it. <clears throat> I don't drink anymore. I don't really know if I can get through the rest of the... <laughs> so um, well there's lots to talk to you about I, I, I recently well last year saw Prevenge mm. which I loved it's amazing but it's a Thanks. very that, the story of that is um, quite incredible because you sort of came up with the idea while you were pregnant and did it while you were pregnant and it's a very quick turnaround yeah it was um, long story short basically I wanted to make a film but I, it was not happening for me you know it's famously very slow the development process of films especially in the UK. And uh, I got pregnant because I just thought, well, you know, I can't hang around too long yeah. in those terms. You know, eggs are ageing, my agent said to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she didn't. Um, she wouldn't say that. She'd be like, keep working, don't have a baby. Um, but anyway, that's what, you know, basically I was like, oh shit, I'm going to have a baby and I'm not going to be able to direct anything or do anything and my career's probably over. And then I got approached by a production company who said, we've got a little bit of money to make a feature film. Have you got any ideas? And I came up with an idea for me to play a pregnant character, basically. Yeah, who's sort of... I mean, it, it is what pregnancy is like. I've not been through pregnancy personally. <laughs> but I've been around someone who's pregnant a couple of times. She killed loads of people. Uh, yeah, she, I think she came pretty close to killing me, um, the particular lady who I impregnated. Uh, and I'm not allowed to impregnate her again or get anywhere near doing anything involved with that in case I... Uh, she's a guest on next uh, week's show if you want to see her. And, um, uh, you know, but it's, that, it's such a... I mean, having kids is so bizarre. I know it happens all the time, mm. but it just doesn't fit. It makes me think none of this is real. <laughs> that's, the what, little, like, that's the little clue. That you think we're, we're living in a, a virtual the, reality? Yeah, or the Truman Show or something. I think it's a video <laughs> game. You know, it's going, oh, why don't we have them like a shit tiny human being springs out between their legs? Come on. <laughs> That's insane. Who would come up with that? Um, so uh, it is. A, it's so in the in the film, uh, the your character is sort of possessed by the belief that her baby is telling Evil. her to kill. Yeah, telling her to which kill, which is really understandable as well. I mean, you know, it's, yeah, it feels I like you've got this parasite. I sort of had this dawning. more so when they're out, to be honest. But <laughs> it's when they're in there. I had this dawning realization when I was about five months pregnant, and I was trying to do all the work that I could. I was just saying yes to everything. The crisp porn that you did. I yes. <laughs> said yes. To that. No, but I was I was I was just taking all the jobs that I could find and I was staying in some hotel somewhere, you know, how you are filming and wherever. And I just suddenly had this realisation, like I was like, Oh, it's funny being by myself and then I was like, I'm not alone <laughs> and I won't be for at least the rest of my life yes <laughs> all all going to plan you know and that was quite a weird realization actually and then i was like oh my god that's quite bizarre but i do th i think comedians we you know we pussyfoot around having kids don't we because we are children yes don't you think yeah <laughs> <laughs> so most of my friends have sort of put it off as long as possible because yeah. we're all absolutely terrified and then people do it and they're like i love it i love it <laughs> which i was like as well i made this really horrible film about despair about giving birth and being a mother and then I was like I really like it 
it's so cute and nice. And That's good. Well, yeah. I'm glad that you know, you're not planning on going on a sort of murder spree together as in reality. Um, but I mean, it was quite... So it's interesting that you were doing... You created a film and directed a film and starred in a film whilst seven months pregnant. Yeah. Which um, seems insane, because that you're getting to the point where you know, people definitely just want to stay in bed and you weren't just staying in bed for, no, for that particular film. I didn't really have any choice. I'd sort of committed by that point. Um, I kept seeing my friends and they kept saying, what are you doing? Are you going <laughs> to put your feet up and stuff? And I was like, I'm making a film. And then, then I'd sort of go, I, I'm not though. I'd sort of go, it's, not, it's never going to happen because I, I couldn't believe any producers would take that risk. I just didn't think it was going to happen. Yeah. And so I was sort of doing all the pre-production and a bit like, <laughs> this is like funny because it's not going to happen. And then it did. And I made a film. <laughs> it just happened. You've been in fights, you've been punched in the face by yeah. Gemma Whelan's yeah. and killing the bloke yeah. from Murder in Successville. And... Yeah. yeah, I wrote all of that for myself to do yeah. while heavily <laughs> pregnant. Possibly not the best idea. But yeah, I mean, I kind of really enjoyed it, actually. Yeah. People think that the directing bit's going to be the hardest. And I was like, I really love the directing bit. I was really like... It, it, actually, what was harder was like the stuff afterwards, like promoting the film and stuff. Yeah. That was... <laughs> yeah, as you were giving birth. With a child. It's really good. Oh, God, yeah. it's really good. Ow! <laughs> yeah. um, I noticed, like, I think you did... You, there's a lot of two-handed... It's sort of episodic with two-handers, yeah. isn't it? So that I made wrote it like that yeah. intentionally because I knew, like you know, the biggest challenge. We shot it over about 11 days. Right. So I was like, right, if we have really long scenes, we can just get one actor in a day, which will be cheap. We don't have to keep getting them back in. And we'll do the whole scene with them and then we'll, like, kill them in the morning and then do the dialogue (laughs) stuff in the afternoon. (laughs) And that is kind of how it worked, actually. But you sort of don't notice that straight away, but then it sort of of struck me, but it's it's artfully concealed. Well, that was the way I had to write it, basically. So quite long scenes and stuff. And And it's terrifying. But I I think with both and Sightseers, which is the previous film... um, well, one of your previous films, uh, it's taken a sort of light, a subject that lots of people go, oh, that's fun, so camping. So we go, oh, camping's a sort of fun thing, but there's this dark, sinister undertone to being pregnant and going camping <laughs> that, that you managed to bring out, I think, because camping's a, a strange hobby, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I think someone needed... I think, you know, when you go on holiday to some weird place, there's always some weirdo, isn't there, that you meet and you go, oh, hello, hi. <laughs> and then afterwards you go, I bet they're a serial killer. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? And we've basically yeah. made a film about those people. <laughs> um, and I sort of couldn't believe that someone hadn't done it yet. So we no. kind of were like, you know, we're going to be the people that make that movie. But it's sort of like Mike Lee's decided to, you know go a bit natural yeah. killers or something yeah That's... well that was kind of the pitch yeah. basically but I don't know I mean we we had a real affection for those characters in yeah. that film you know it was it was part of our lives we spent a long time developing it so we had a kind of there's something sort of sweet about the film as well even though it's yeah. evil and really messed up um you know, it's sort of a rom-com, really. They're sort of, cheek- they're <laughs> sort of cheekily killing people with a little yeah. wink. And a... Yeah, they don't it's mean sort of, it. You accidentally, your partner accidentally <laughs> kills someone and then he says it's an accident but then sort of smirks. Yeah. And then well, also sort of they're enjoying... underdog characters, yeah. you know. They're really underdog characters that you kind of go, right, this, this is a kind of... It's a very British film, you know, and these are kind of people that, for whatever reason, they're the bottom of the pile. And it's kind of a bit of a wish-fulfillment movie where they get to, you know, the 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 nerdy anorak gets to bite back, <laughs> yeah. basically. So, Did you go yeah. camping as a child? Because I'm, I'm a little bit older than you, but that was the family holiday yeah. was camping. Totally, totally. That was all we did was yeah. go camping. We didn't stay in anywhere. Did you go abroad or did you camp in the Abroad, because yeah. my mum and dad are teachers. Yeah, so are mine, yeah. There you did go. You go to France. and the... You go to France, but then my mum would make my dad like drive to Yugoslavia. <laughs> really? Like literally. Wow. Like, uh, my mum would go, so I've written a plan. You, Bill, are going to be driving us a thousand miles across Europe. It's the cheap way to travel. Um, and we would, like, because yeah. it was like a six-week holiday. And in those days, like, six weeks for teachers probably meant you actually got a six-week holiday rather than, like, you know, two days or whatever they get after they've done all their bureaucracy these days. But, like, um, yeah, we just, like, we'd have a trailer tent or a... Or a so like hilarious oh, experiences. Than a tra- a trailer tent yeah, it was fancy. Yeah, we- I once weed on my sister in a, in on the mattress because we had to share a mattress in the trailer tent, and um, I weed on her. Apparently, yeah. she's on never purpose. let. Partly. 
I don't have that much bladder control. <laughs> no, no, it just happened, but she's never forgotten it. <laughs> Apparently, my parents didn't take it seriously enough. Right. They were very, they were very nice to me. They should have made it. her wee on you, and then that's, all, that's, all, that's what I would do just as, as a, a parent. Sport. <laughs> it's a sort of European sport, you know. That's what they do in those countries. My dad it? was hilarious. We used to go to France every year, but he, my dad would try and speak French, and but be, I mean, it's terrible. My dad's a bit like that. Yeah, as well. and he went, I remember him driving into a garage and saying. Catralita uh, de petrol, play, <laughs> which and then everyone laughed at him because like Catralita is nothing, so he's thinking four gallons, <laughs> and it's four liters is like not even a gallon. So yeah. the, all the French people laughed at him. <laughs> we oh. had this amazing experience where we went and camped in someone's orchard, right. and this guy called Monsieur Le Ferrier or something <laughs> came out and went, "This is my farm. You cannot camp here." And then he just sort of took a liking to my mum. <laughs> And let her stay. But it was like the most sinister thing. And he had got this red setter. This is where Sightseers comes from. I'm just realising. He got this red setter dog. And I remember it was an orchard. So I threw a pear for this dog. And the dog ran for the pear, brought it back and knocked me over. (laughs) And I just have this memory of just lying on the floor with this red setter standing over me. I must have been about four or five. That's my French holiday. Because in those days, you could just literally go and camp in someone's field. That was what you did. We just went to a campsite like, and I think we pretty much stayed in the campsite the whole time, you know. We must, we must have gone and looked at things. But all I remember about those holidays is being in the campsite, yeah. playing pinball, yeah. eating chicken and chips in a basket. It was great. Yeah. Uh, I read SSGB when I was about 14 and ate big <laughs> bars of white chocolate from France. <laughs> I, remember I remember there'd always be a Dutch family that would always be really good looking yeah. and really good at barbecues. They'd like be barbecuing in the rain. Like, the dad would be there in an anorak doing, it's just a little rain, I will cook a barbecue. And my dad would be going, mm. like, <laughs> jealous. Of we must like, kill him. We murdered yeah. by yeah. your dad. Yes. I got off with a Dutch girl called Carla. It was great. Wow. Yeah, how, was nice. how old were you? I was, I was 43 years old. She was... She was uh, we were four, we were 40. We were both... Oh, 14. It was charming. And when I say got off, you know, I kissed her for a bit. And well then, done. I and was then just... wondered if I could put my hand up a jar. I was like right on the last... <laughs> it was right on the last night. We'd been, you know, getting on very well, but I just I had no self-belief. Uh, and I'd fallen in the lake that day. So we were walking along and I, and we, I didn't... I, it was dark. And I misjudged it and fell in a lake. And then she kind of got me a towel and we sort of sat down. And for ages, I and mean, there's like minutes that were ticking away and she was just looking at me and she eventually just had to kiss me because I wasn't going to kiss her. Aww. And I thought, maybe I could put my hand up a jumper. <laughs> <laughs> that would have ruined it. Yeah, no, I did it. Um, uh, and... Uh, <laughs> Carla <laughs> might be out there. And then we had to go back and then we sat, she was right opposite, the tents were right opposite. It was like Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. You see, I just used to sit with... <laughs> I actually, I've just remembered, I wrote, I wrote her a letter, I wrote her a letter. Romeo, Romeo. (laughs) We became pen pals and I wrote her a letter saying, you know, how much I loved her and how amazing this thing was. Uh, And I think like a little bit saucy, as saucy as a 40-year-old Rich Herring got pretty damn saucy. (laughs) And she wrote back to me and said, yeah, thank you for your letter. It arrived and my dad insisted we read it in front of the whole family. So we could all test our English. No. (laughs) Hi, Carla. She she emailed me uh, a few few years ago. She found me on my blog and said... Oh, um, wow. She's married with three kids. (laughs) You know, she's like 50 as well. Uh, And then I emailed back. Actually, I emailed back. I said, oh, I wrote a blog about you. And then she never responded to me. (laughs) So I hope you enjoyed the podcast, Carla. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the English is going to... She was very... They're very good at English, aren't they? The Dutch. Yeah. And French. Bang! Kiss, French kissing. <laughs> you went to Keswick Pencil Museum. Yeah. As your research for... Was, that the, was it in the film of Sightseers? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. How can I have forgotten that? It's my favourite museum. It's brilliant. It closed a bit because there, there was flooding. All right. So. And they had to close, but it's open again now. Yeah. And oh, it's, it's great. They've got the world's second biggest pencil there. Which for a pencil machine museum isn't that great a claim, is it? Let's get the fucking biggest one. You can only get the second biggest one. Who's got the biggest pencil? I don't know. Just some bloke. <laughs> it's mine. 
It's amazing that it's the most amazing museum in the world, the Keswick Pencil Museum. Yeah. Did you go there before the film? Yeah, yeah. I, I think if you go to Keswick, you have to go there yeah. because it's when it rains, it's the only thing to do that isn't walking around a lake. So it's like, you know, it's just like a rite of passage. Yeah. You go to the Pencil Museum, but it is brilliant. Yeah, oh, it's amazing. And you go in... So if there's still the case, when I was in about 10, 12 years ago, the first exhibit is a man uh, mining graphite. But his face is partly caved in, it's been kicked at some point, <laughs> and they haven't bothered repairing it. It's the best. <laughs> I, love, I, I just love going to museums that, you know, are, are in museums of museums. Yeah, so I, lo- I love those ones where they've got a mannequin and they light yeah. it up and there's yeah. a voice going... I work in the mine. <laughs> and, 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 like, and when you're a kid, it shits you up. I remember being really terrified. Yeah. Like I was like, oh my God, it's like witchcraft or something. But now you do go, why has no one changed this? There's like <laughs> CGI exists in virtual reality and still yeah. these dusty mannequins in, yeah, in a, down only, a mine. We can only go so far with a pencil. That's true. They had, you know, they were, what was it that they'd been drawn? Something like... Wallace and Gromit or something had been drawn with... No, the snowman, I think, had been drawn with pencils... That makes sense. ...from the pencil Derwent. museum. So that was like, there was pencils. a lot of about the snowman. Yeah. Very proud of that. I mean, just because you made the pencils, you didn't make the film. <laughs> we talked about the snowman. Uh, oh, that was actually in... Uh, what's that? Yeah, it was last week, wasn't it? Now I'm confused about which podcast I've done when. <laughs> right, we'll move on. We'll move on from the pencil museum. Is it your favourite museum, the pencil museum, or is it a museum um, that you preferred that you've been to? I quite to? like Boscastle Witchcraft Museum. Oh, yeah, that has come up before. Yeah, it, although I do think I might have got cursed when I went there. You got cursed? Maybe. By And, and how did that take part? Well, they question. make you look a lot of cursed objects. Yeah. That's the main thing. And then at the end, I sort of went to the gift shop and I said, is there anything that will remove a curse? Seeing as I've been round. Yeah. And they went, no, really. <laughs> They didn't even try and sell me anything. You probably think of that. <laughs> that twenty five ninety nine. Yeah, exactly. Doll. They yeah. didn't really even try and sell me anything, and I was a bit like, oh well, I'm cursed now. But no, you cursed. So you just cursed. We got to go. We got a baby ghost in my house. So I've got wow. an old house, and there's a ghost of a baby in there. Really? It's called Simon. Let's <laughs> piecing it together. <laughs> Do you ever seen a ghost? Um, I think I have. Yeah. What is what? What? What's that my, funny? It's, it's, <laughs> got it off this uh, piece of paper. Uh, it's one of my questions. Well, it's coming up to Halloween, isn't it? This is quite a good so way of relevant. enjoying the book. Look, do you have a favourite towel? Just on its own. <laughs> uh, so yes, what, what was your? Do you have a favourite towel? Because then we'll get yes. back to the ghost. Which yes. is your favourite? Um, it's this Orla Kylie one, which is a bit sad because she's sort of shut up shop now. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah I know and now I can't get another one and it's the only nice towel that I have and right. it's all over I just use it forever I've, my favourite towel I've had for a long time because it's a long time since Andre Vincent used it to wipe his arse on and I've still got it <laughs> even after that so I mean to dry his arse he wasn't wiping his arse on um, what was the ghost when have you seen the ghost so when I me and my friend used to have Halloween parties at this pub called the Prospect of Whitby I don't know if you've ever been there in Wapping. Was this a ghost or Woo! was it someone dressed up as a ghost for Halloween? No. Okay, let's go. Um, so I had a whole Halloween party. It was the night that I met my partner, actually. Wow. And, um, the Is next... he a ghost? That's the twist. <laughs> <laughs> He's a ghost. Um, I've got a ghost baby, too. No. Um, so, yeah, we, I, I cleared up. I went back to the pub to clear up all of our stuff. And um, a member of staff kind of went past me on the stairs. And I sort of was like, I knew people lived, the staff lived up there. And I was like, um, could I? And I saw like this foot, like it was almost like a Michael Jackson's foot. In the sense that it had a little black shoe and a yeah. little white stocking. And it was going backwards. <laughs> no, it wasn't okay. moonwalking. Okay. It was just running up the stairs. Right. And I looked up the stairs and there was no one there. And, and I like felt a... like they were mocking me. The, the, I felt like it was something that had been playing a trick on me. Yeah, for Halloween. And I, yeah, but it was the day after Halloween. And I came downstairs and I was a bit freaked out. And the staff went, are you all right? And I was like, I, I think I just saw a ghost. And they went, oh, uh, was it on the stairs? And they went, oh, we'll get the manager. He'll come and tell you all about it. And then it was haunted. 
this haunted pub. Wow, so that was like a medieval shoe or something. Well, many years later, I read this thing about this, um, there was a pickpocket called Cut Purse Mole. Was this there? is true. Okay. This is true, this is many years later. Um, who was a pickpocket who used yeah. to hang out there. She dressed in men's clothes and she used to wear um, like stockings with um, ribbons around the top. Right. Was she I think just, it was her. Was she just a foot? Yeah, she yeah. was a hopping <laughs> foot. <laughs> wow, it could be. Did, you, did she steal anything from you? Yeah, okay. a plastic bag. Right. A plastic bag. I was trying to put stuff in a plastic bag and it just disappeared. And when I talked to the manager, he went, that happens to me all the time. She hides stuff in the ladies' toilets. Wow, I want to go to He didn't this. say oh. she, he just said the ghost. The ghost. But it was me that decided it was a she. Yeah. Do you think yeah. you are mentally ill? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. That's good. And a I good still one. don't know if I believe, but that's my good ghost That's story. pretty good. That's, that's, that's good, about the best we've had, I have yeah. to say, in yeah. reality. There's been a couple of spooky ones. What do you think? Do you think there's ghosts? Andy McH, do you think, they're, do you think that's true? Yeah, okay. Andy McCage. Oh, you can go there now Andy and McCage check it out. says it's true. Yeah, I'm going to go. Good. <laughs> um, well, I'll ask you this guy. I came up with a new emergency question. And, and you know, we might talk about time hopping and time traveling in a bit anyway. But um, I was walking my dog the other day and had my little torch. And I thought, I, I bet if I went to, back to Middle Ages times with this little torch, I could become king of the Middle Ages. They wouldn't believe Until it. Until the battery went Until the battery went yeah. But that would be long enough for me to get my power going. Yeah. What do you think is the lamest modern day item you could take back to the Middle Ages and then it would lead to you becoming king of the Middle Ages? The lamest item? Yeah, well, just like the most pathetic thing you could take from the modern world that would impress stupid people from the Middle Ages. I was going to say a tampon. A tampon but would I, be good. Actually, that's quite good. But it's one use only and then they'd yeah. go, now your powers are gone. And... Yeah, I don't know if they would be that. It's just they'd be that impressed. Don't they'd be that impressed? But like, I, so if you had, like, I mean, if you had some like a mobile phone, or you know, if you had a gun, then you'd be king at them straight away. But would they be impressed by? Um, maybe just like one of those um, boards, you know, that like because my daughter's got one where you like scratch a thing and then you wipe it out. Yeah. Because that would never run out. Yeah. And people would be like, oh my god, she's a witch. She can write yeah. runes that then disappear. And or uh, a, a zipped cardigan. <laughs> and then every time they were being bad, you go, and they go, no, no, don't, don't unzip the magic zip. They're, well, it's just uh, an excuse. Just to, a photo. Like just, if you had one of those masks of like a celebrity, yeah, she took that. Yeah. they'd be fucking freaked out, and then they'd be like, ah, like you're that person. Now you're, now you're not. They're idiots. <laughs> They're idiots. I hate the people of the Middle Ages. I wish I was their king. I mean, you'd have a time machine, presumably, as well, but that could impress them. But not as much. Um, good. I'll, I'll, ask you, I'll, ask you an, I'll ask you an emergency question, just because, you know, they're fun, and someone's wrecked this. I mean, that is not a fun... That's not good, is it? What, that? Is that your emergency question? Yeah, it's, it's all been ripped up. <laughs> oh, dear. It's hard, <laughs> Okay, um, if, if you had to wear somebody's guts for garters, if you had to, <laughs> then who would you disembowel to facilitate your socks staying up? <laughs> Good question for Alice Lowe. The, I don't the think I can dark. give a real answer. You can. Because, well, like Donald Trump or someone like yeah. that, that's the obvious answer. Yeah. But the first answer that came to mind was Daniel Day-Lewis. Really? Because... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because there's that bit in... Um, Gangs of America, where he goes, I will festoon, festoon my bedroom with your garters or yeah. something, with your guts. I'm, getting, I'm so misquoting him, <laughs> but he says something about festooning his festooning something with someone's guts. Yeah. Um, so you would wear, you and would also get he's retired, back. so that from acting, which is just annoying, isn't it? Do you think if you travel back in time with <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis's guts as garters, that you would become king of the Middle Ages? With um, that? I don't think so. No. They, could, they can do that in the past. <laughs> how efficient do you think guts they would be? They wouldn't be impressed at all. I mean, you know, how efficient are guts as guts? Why is that even a phrase? Probably really good. They're good because they yeah. always snap to them. Because you didn't have elastic back in those days. So no. You had to use intestines <laughs> <laughs> and various well, bit body does, parts. Probably does come from something like that, doesn't it? It's yeah. <laughs> uh, you were thanked on the Paddington 2 mm. uh, film, which yes. I love, for help on the screenplay. Which yes. bit did you write? Um, I didn't write none of it. <laughs> I tell you what it is, it's like, um, 
it's like a writer's room and you go in. I, I, I'm credited on both Paddington films oh, yeah. and I will claim two bits of... Okay. So in the first one, I said that the train should be in Mr. Gruber's shop okay. and it is in Mr. Gruber's That's shop. That's very important. It used to be in the Browns household. Right. What a ridiculous idea, I said. <laughs> no, it is in Mr. Gruber's shop. And I also, in the second one, said that they should keep the barber shop scene. Okay. That was going to go. Okay. That was that gone. Right. It had gone. The version that I watched had gone. I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk about this. Nah, I've talked yeah. about that. It's too late. Um, yeah, they were going to get rid of the really funny thing where he's got all the clippers and oh, yeah. he clippers Tom Conti and they'd, they'd got rid of it already. And, and Paul King was like, oh, I can just show you the scene that we shot, spent ages shooting and we're not going to use it. And I was like, you've got to use this. It's bloody brilliant. And they did. Right. So I like to take credit for... Yeah. Um, the whole film. Yeah, that's good. And but telling both them, films. Tell, telling them to put something back in that they'd written. <laughs> yeah. That's good. It's like this is good. That's my, that's my skill. Yeah, that's good. Um, do you do a lot of writer's rooms? I've, I've did a writer's room. And it's kind of an, it's a, it's an odd experience, but it's kind of it's fun to meet like people, I kind of like it. it? Yeah. I can't, it's very tiring. It's surprisingly yeah. tiring. So basically a writer's room is quite an American sort of concept, isn't it? Which they're bringing here um, <laughs> of late. Where you just go and sit in a room and talk about the script and um, they use... It's kind of like doing a poll, isn't it? A straw yeah, poll of like, yeah. this idea's shit and this bit's good and like, you just chat about stuff and uh, yeah, I quite like it. Yeah. I think you come up with a lot of stuff that's good, that's no good for the thing you're doing. You end up telling loads <laughs> of stories from your lives and then you come up with a stupid pitch for something else. So on the one I did, we came up with a pitch for something like this. It might be a little, I don't think it's quite like a film, it's a bit like what we were just talking about, but it was called Horny Time Traveller. <laughs> in which uh, just someone travels. Was it a Dutch girl? <laughs> it wasn't. Was it jumpers involved? It was just someone who'd invented time travel used it to try and go back and have sex with historical figures. Oh, that's a good idea. This horny time traveller. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Berlin a next. brilliant idea. Yeah, yeah I would think you, you should you make it. That? Yeah. Would you, would you be in it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> who, would you, who would you like to play? Um, oh, I don't know. Any of the... Any of the good ones. If you were you the know. horny time traveller, um, where would be your first port of call to have sex with an historical figure? Oh, now, I do know... I reckon Jesus. Jesus! <laughs> you reckon My you could... My type! You reckon, <laughs> <laughs> do you reckon you could seduce him? Yeah! He's quite religious. What with modern... <laughs> What with modern, modern contouring? Yeah, if you went that's back with a tampon. Yeah, with a Jesus. tampon and some contouring makeup. A potato. They didn't Jesus have that never back saw then. a potato if you took no. a potato to Jesus. Mascara. I bet he'd never seen mascara no. and I would have that up my sleeve as, yeah. a, as a weapon. And um, probably teeth. I've got teeth, yeah. which a lot of people might not have had. I think I would stand a good yeah, chance. Good. It's kind of my type. Yeah, Jesus I think with Jesus, like. you have to start, you'd have to start by washing his feet with your hair. He, like, he was into that. <laughs> that's what he liked. <laughs> He's into that. I've got no problem with that. Yeah, you start with that and then you just, I think you just work your way up. I think that's how it works. He's not a fool. Go, yeah, we'll just wash your feet with my hair. Oh, while you're down there, Mary Magdalene. It's a metaphor, oh, really, it is. Yeah. Washing someone's feet. It's a good choice, yeah. Jesus. I might choose Jesus as well. You can't. He's mine. You could do a little... <laughs> there's, there's I'm going some... to take, take Jesus. We could share him. You I can have Mary. From, I could come in from behind. While you she's stop. quite... She's... I think Mary's a bit more of an easy lay. No. Uh, well, she wasn't really a prostitute. That's a mistranslation <clears throat> and an attempt by the church later to church to women. try. Well, a to you know misogyny, but also because she was quite high up in the early Christian church, and so it's an attempt, as with Jesus' brothers as well, who were, had different um, factions of the Christian church. It was an attempt by the the church that succeeded. You know, many people would say probably not the Saint Paul. What did he have to do with it? Nothing stupid. Come. <laughs> Mary Magdalene was right there. You want to just walking along and oh, can't see anything for a bit. It's just showing off, isn't it, St. Paul? Uh, Not up on your biblical criticism. <laughs> I think that's it. I've got an idea for a film which is a bit like Prevenge, but it's afterwards, which is you have a baby and then uh, like maybe you've been, uh, the woman's had this weird experience where she's thought she's been kidnapped by aliens and then nine months later has a baby and then very quickly the baby starts to talk. And, and, and look who's and, talking well, it's, it's, but it's more of a religious vibe so it becomes clear that the, and it has magic powers and is an alien child and would it be good or evil how would you tell as a mother you would assume good but you know that's 
Jesus was, if you read the apocryphal gospels, Jesus was, as a child, was like turning all his friends into pigs and stuff when they annoyed him and stuff. And that's what, if you were an all-powerful child, you would do terrible, naughty things, wouldn't you? Yeah. And so I think that might be quite good. And then is he good or is he evil? Is he Jesus or is he an evil force? Because yeah. mo- the mother would think Jesus. I would think Jesus. I think my kids might be Jesus. <laughs> I know for a fact my wife is a virgin. So um, <laughs> that's my idea. You can have that. I'll, Stick that, I'll sit do that it. on the old uh, roster. Po- post bench. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about uh, Garth Marenghi because uh, this was uh, you were. I mean, you don't often. Woo. Yeah, but you don't. Which won the Perry Award? It might not be. Yeah. Was it the Perry Award still then, or was it the Comedy Award? Yeah, no, it was, was the, the Perry, Perry Award. Award. We were one of the sort of last of the Perry Awards. Yeah, you destroyed it. <laughs> that was the moment Perry went, no, we're not back. Yeah. The Awards is too good for this. Um, <laughs> a, that you very rarely get mentioned in the list of the women who've won the Perry Awards. No, n- not even on the day of winning, <laughs> really? actually. They, they, there was, um, I think it was The Observer or something said, yet again, no female nominees. <laughs> under a picture of me holding the award, like, um, which was quite weird. Is, but I do think it was because Matt and Richard didn't want to hold the award. Right. They thought that would make them look stupid, so they were happy for me to do it. <laughs> um, so I think it was a bit by default. But, uh, but yeah, it was weird. I mean, it was a sort of a gang show, so, yeah. you know, it's... Now, you know, Edinburgh's got loads of... I really feel like when I was doing Edinburgh, there was no women there. There was no women. There was like Jenny Eclair. Yeah. And there was like Catherine Tate, but she was in someone else. She was in Lee Mack's show. That's right, yeah. She wasn't, she didn't have her own show. She was like supporting Lee Mack. And that was what I was kind of really doing was supporting Matt and Richard, I guess. And, um, well, I don't know if that's fair, but uh, well, you like. thanks. <laughs> I saw the show. It's a really excellent show. And it was a really excellent TV series as well, but I think it kind of it was one of those TV series that didn't really take off in terms of, you know, you think this is going to be a cult smash immediately. Maybe it's a cult smash, but you think this is going to be a, a big hit. Well, I, th- I mean, for Did me, it was pretty astounding just to be in a, show, in a TV show. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Didn't, I didn't think that was going to happen yeah. to me at all, especially at that time in my life. I thought I was going to be doing, like, devised theatre. You know, and uh, and suddenly I was doing a TV show, so that was just a reward in itself. But um, yeah, I it don't know. Like I don't know what happened. Really. It was a lot of work in the show, and a, and a fantastic cast of people, and yeah. all the and, and behind the scenes as well. All people who would go on to be very successful. I think basically, it it's had a life of its own. I think I yeah. think it's quite good. It's sort of created its own legend <laughs> in that it got cancelled which was sort of the joke of the show that it was the show that got cancelled and then we did get cancelled <laughs> um but no i mean people still speak really fondly of that show and it's it's funny because it's like it hit a point where people had just started using youtube yeah. not for the purpose to which it was designed so people were ripping clips off dark place and putting them on youtube and before you knew it like it became a bit of a student thing yeah, yeah. like students were getting into it and watching them over and over again and right. I went to like a 10 year you know anniversary in Manchester and it was all students oh. came to see it and that was really weird because I was like what you weren't hardly born were you What's, <laughs> this is weird um, but yeah I mean I, I think it stood us all in good stead I think you know it's one of those shows that it stuck to the principles by which it was forged live by the sword, die by the sword or something. And I think all of us have gone on to kind of not compromise with what it is yeah. we do. Yeah. So maybe that was just... But do you think it's way. a bit ahead of its time? It feels like other things came after that were similar. I think a lot of American stuff has been influenced by it. Yeah. I know for a fact, like, people like Paul Rudd, it's his favourite okay. comedy. <laughs> right. and yeah, and, and so I think, like, it's, ha- it's got handed around in LA and stuff. I know yeah. I, I've met people in LA who've been like, Oh my God, it's Dr. Liz Asher. <laughs> like, what? This is weird. Um, but you know, it, it sort of got handed around. So I, yeah, I think, I think other things... But you know what? A, a pastiche satire show is always going to be difficult. I guess it was, diff- it was a difficult... Because the stage show was about a horror writer, overblown, full of himself... And then, so the stage, the TV show was quite different than what you were doing on stage. Or was, yeah, so, it was. It was a bit of um, there was a, another pilot before that was completely different. So right. I think there was a bit of a, you know, Matt and Richard had to do a bit of finding their way of how it's going to work on TV, and um, 
Yeah, and I, you know, I, I always love pastiche shows like um, Naked Gun and yeah. uh, Acorn Antiques and stuff. It's all the same sort of thing, <laughs> like bad, you know, people making bad choices about what they're doing creatively. And it's so fun to do as an actor to just like, go act this really badly. You're like, I think I can do that. Yes. Um, no, it's such fun. And uh, I don't know, I'm kind of proud of it. I think, yeah. it, you know, I think it's kind of, I don't have any regrets about it. I sort of have, you know, it would have been nice to not be in such a wilderness for so many years where I wasn't <laughs> earning any money uh, for a while. But, you know, I don't know, it's all a learning, a learning yeah. curve. I learned a lot from well, you doing did, that. You have, you know, you, you look at your IMDB, which I always do that's my research uh, and you've, you know you've, you have worked you've been in every, you know you've been in lots and lots of shows often like one part in a show but that's yeah. still really impressive uh, you yeah, worked but, with you know you yeah. did a lot with Harry and Paul that yes. was, a, that was a, I mean that was a bit more recently I suppose yeah that, yeah I mean I've worked with brilliant people I just wish I'd been paid more money for all of those <laughs> things sometimes I literally go what god I get Paid like I literally get paid a bean, like an <laughs> like Jack in the Beanstalk, like a handful of beans. Because like yeah, I, I've got like something like seventy something credits, yeah. and I've got more coming. <laughs> like I've just shot a whole bunch of stuff this summer, and um, and I do go bloody hell, I look like a right old hack. <laughs> you know, like when you sort of investigate an old Hollywood actress or something, and you're like, oh my god, she was in two hundred and fifteen things, but no one knew her name <laughs> and I was sort of like shit that's me like I've been in everything um, but yeah I, I, that's not what I look at you and I think there's, you're, that you're making really good choices and you're doing stuff that you think is great that's, that's, the, way, that's the way I view you and obviously people like do have to work and earn some money <laughs> but I don't look even those things I don't look at any of those things on IMDb oh, and go that's a, that's a hack choice none of them are hack things oh well, that's good but, I, but the thing I really admire about you is you just seem to get on with doing stuff so you formed a company and made short films and you just made 12 short films in the, in the first year or yeah. something like that is that right and the, so like lots of people sit back and go oh I, if I I could write a film someone gave me the money but it's like you just sort of have got on with it I and think I had a dawning realisation that the stuff I do is always better when I'm in charge basically yeah. <laughs> And the more in charge I am, the better the stuff is. And not, that sounds really arrogant, but I think some people, they really... You know, I just felt like a lot of the stuff that I was writing was getting lost in translation, yeah. basically. That I'd come up with an idea and people would tell me to change it or they wouldn't quite understand it or they wouldn't know what it was. Well, and people when were I was saying like, Sightseers was too dark like, to, yeah, for TV and stuff, yeah, but that's the whole point of it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I've had that my whole career. Yeah. I still get it now. Like, people going, but what is it? What is it? Or... You know, is it funny enough? Is it too dark? Is it dark enough? Is it about enough women? Are there enough women in it? <laughs> you know, and I still get that now. And I, I just realise that when I just go, Rah! and just do it myself, it's better. Yeah, and people understand true. what I'm trying to say. Then. Yeah. But then right. you're a creative person, that, that is true. And I look at the things that I've kind of given control away for, and you kind of go, yeah, if I, why did I do that? I should have yeah. just... Because you know what it is. And I think yeah. TV is a difficult thing to... That's why I think like, look, the short film community is very interesting, I think. And there's lots of people doing lots of kind of out there short films and exciting short films and longer films as well but the, you've been involved we both did a film called Mosquito which we, oh, we, yeah. we didn't have a that was great. we didn't have a, a scene together in but we no. were both in in which I played a man who goes to prostitutes <laughs> I'm, I'm always ready for that if you've got a film about a man who goes to prostitutes <laughs> this is, for some reason this is the guy uh, and you played the wife of uh the man who becomes accent. Well, it's a very complicated film, but it's a really it good film, though. It's, it's really funny. Yeah. It's really well done. Yeah. But you know, there's there's all these people out there, and there's all these little short film nights, um, and all these exciting directors doing stuff that they get the chance to be autonomous, I suppose, and create yeah. their stuff. Which I think with TV, it's just you, you got to fit a genre with TV. Yeah. You got to really fit a genre, and like, well, who's with... looking for that kind of stuff? Who's looking for something? People are looking for, you know, aren't even looking for scripted stuff that much. But it, it seems. They're almost looking to drama people to create comedy on TV now, and, and they, they, they let them run with it, and it's, they produce good stuff, but yeah. they seem, seem reluctant with comedians to let them get on with it. Yeah, well, I've had a lot of interest for drama now. Yeah. But what's quite interesting is I, I'll come up with something, and they, they sort of go, we love revenge, how daring it was, and how crazy it is, and all these crazy weird things that happen. And then I give them something that's like that, and they go... <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and they're terrified of it they're absolutely terrified they're like who, who's going to put this because you know I like to mix funny with dark with I just, you know it's this thing of like this fallacy of like things are either completely serious or completely funny and you're yeah. like well life isn't like that is it it's a mixture of 
everything. And, um, and I'll give them something that's like that and they'll be like... <laughs> <laughs> and they don't quite know what to do with it. So I think probably... You know, I'm sort of dabbling in TV. Yeah. If someone wants to give me money to make something, I will make it. But yeah. at the moment, I'm really enjoying film because I just, I just get to do what I want a bit I, more. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's funny. the problem. If you want to get creative people to do stuff, then let them do it. I think that's what where, you know, you'll get some misses, but you get misses anyway. And that's what they did in the past. They just said, oh, we like you. Go and do the thing you yeah. do. And it's like, no, you know, I, the last time I went in for a meeting, you know, I, the, had, I've been working as a writer for 30 years. And, you know, some 30-year-old man was telling me the stuff I was writing was hack. And you go, <laughs> no, it's not, you know, comedically hack. And I go, no, it isn't, mate. You haven't, you haven't got oh. what I'm trying to do there. And, you know, you get advice from people about how to be a writer. Yeah. That seems arrogant to me. And that's, you know, I wouldn't... We're getting really, like, into the specifics of the industry now. Yeah. I think we're just no, moaning it's, about, about it's, it. No, but I think, I, think it's, I think it's important for the industry because I think... And for, but it's, it's interesting because that's the stuff that turns out to be good... Is the stuff where people have where been left people to go had their own yeah when they had more yeah I'm all for that yeah. definitely just let me get on with it but it's so rare I mean that's what I, with the Prevenge producers they just let me do what I want really yeah. and they and they sort of go this is great let's film it <laughs> and I'm like really you don't think I should like rewrite it loads and loads and loads of times until I hate it and they're like no let's film it maybe change that one bit and I'm like oh, okay. Like, and so you're you're working on a new film for next year. Is it called Time Stalker? Is that the yes? See, it's Horny Time Traveller. It kind of is kind in of a way. Is. I've yeah. already stolen your idea, but she doesn't really go to. She can only go forward because it's actually okay. about reincarnation. It's yeah. not about. Um, not interested in that. I'm not. Why? I just like time travel. I like criticizing when time travel goes wrong. You can't get reincarnation wrong, can you? Well, you can. can this you? character does get it okay. wrong. Well, you know, yeah. that's right. You can't get it wrong. What happens? So what, give, me a, give me a synopsis. Well, I don't want to talk, talk okay. too much about it, but it's basically about the woman, a woman who keeps falling in love with the wrong person mm-hmm. and uh, keeps making the same mistake over and over with horrible consequences. So it's funny and dark, yeah. but in lots of different time periods and just will be fun. Yeah. Like a romp, basically. Terrific. And where does this darkness come from? Because you don't seem to talk to as a person who's... Uh, is, it, is, it, cause is it through... A, I know a lot of people like love horror films and is that where it comes from or is it, does it, is it trying to... Yeah, I think so, probably. Yeah. I watched a lot of horror films. I always liked really dark fairy tales and stuff when I was a kid. I, thought, oh, I had a really nice childhood and I actually think when you have quite a nice childhood, you're quite attracted to dark stuff because it's testing... You're testing yourself... Um, I, you know Seen and Heard? You must have I seen, seen and Heard. I do know Seen and Heard, So, Seen and Heard is this brilliant thing where they get children to write sketches and um, then adults perform them and it is one of the most hilarious, brilliant, uplifting things that you can go and see. Um, scene spelled S-C-E-N-E. And um, I remember talking to one of the people who works on it and I said, oh, this one was really dark. That one was quite scary. And she was like, oh, that's quite a nice middle-class child who did that one. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and this one was really sweet and happy. And she was like, that, that child's quite troubled. And it's it quite interesting because like, she said, basically, the ones that have the more troubled backgrounds don't like horror at all. They're, they're not, it's too scary. Right, yeah. And, um, and the ones that feel confident to dabble in it are the ones who are sort of quite well-adjusted. And, yes. Uh, safe and stable and protected and uh, I think that's quite an interesting thing actually because I think that's what I'm a big advocate of horror because I think it really helps us cathartically and when I read a fairy tale where the ending has been made all safe and like down came a blackbird and pecked off her nose and then came Jenny Wren and put it back again (laughs) I'm like no she didn't she didn't put it back again that's not the real ending that's the sort of a safe ending they've yeah. added to make it not scary for children it's interesting because you really notice that with, with kids when you're reading you know Red Riding Hood mm. now the, the grandma's just shut in a cupboard and it's fine and then she gets let out of the cupboard that's no fun is it no <laughs> you want it to be eaten that's the it's whole ridiculous. point it's ridiculous and like, then they can cut the wolf it. open and the, the grandma jumps out that's okay yeah. I'll go with that yeah but there's someone, two people have had to be horrifically, well, a wolf and a person have had to be horrifically mutilated at some point. But I mean, you know, what, you know, you've got to introduce them to bad things in the world at yeah. some point. Yeah. So that's the safe way of doing it. It's sort of tried and tested over hundreds of years. There's nothing wrong with it. Like, I, I just don't understand why, you know, you get these books that are like, 
Cindy wants to lend Eleanor her hairband <laughs> for the ballet lesson. Oh, let's learn a lesson about that. And I'm like, ah, oh! like I hate those. I hate yeah. those. Well, you say that, but the world has become a much nicer place recently, hasn't it? As a result <laughs> <laughs> of that stuff. <laughs> Maybe. Um, that's one that's very interesting. Reincarnation. That's very exciting. Well, I, you know, I'm very, I'm very critical of. Uh, of time travel mistakes. I don't like sliding doors. I don't like Goodnight Sweetheart. <laughs> oh my but I'm God. obsessed with them, but I don't like Jesus. them. Jesus. So I'll be watching this film with a keen eye. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's lots of red herrings in it. Are there? Richard herrings. Yeah. There's lots of Richard herrings in it. Um, I'll take the part. Is there a man who goes to prostitute? There's one of the men who goes to prostitute. <laughs> and nothing is quite like it seems when he cuts his penis off. That is what I'm good at. That's what I... That's your That's niche. my thing. That's my thing. Um... Did you see? Do you read reviews of your of your stuff? Um, yeah, I yeah. only retain the bad ones. Are you going to read a bad? I'm one? not going to read it, but I just okay. the, the thing I was going to talk to you about slightly was, was Peter Bradshaw and oh, the yeah. Guardian. Yeah, he saw, retracted. He retracted. I've never seen this in my life. He wrote you quite a sniffy review, uh, saying it wasn't as good as uh, Ben Wheatley's other works. Yes, uh, with sightseers, and then saw it again. He went, "Oh no, I was wrong. It's good." Yeah, after lots of people had said it was good. Um, yeah, I mean, reviewers, they uh, can only look back. They can't look forward. Yeah. That's why they're called reviewers. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I mean, it's funny. Uh, at the time, I was just... I remember I saw Peter Bradshaw after he wrote that review, and he yeah. was like, I think Ben's, Ben Wheatley's a bit annoyed with me. <laughs> and I was a bit like, oh, my God, you watched my film. Bless you. I was so happy I'd made a film and that I'd been in a film. And I just didn't give a fuck. I was like, someone from The Guardian came to see my film. You know, I was so happy. I didn't mind at all. And then when he rewrote it, I was like, oh, okay, correct. We actually got some... We got some bad reviews for Garth Marenghi as well at the time where right. people didn't really get it they didn't really see and see that it could what it's it was weird because you know? i think that i've said this before but i think nearly everything i like the first time i saw an episode or the first time i saw it i didn't get it and yeah. didn't like it so i think something is good it takes you a little while to tune in to and sometimes the... it could be close to home because it's something yeah. you like you're yeah. like because i just watched the first episode of killing eve and i built myself up so much that i was going to love it and i was a bit disappointed and i was a bit like is it because it's not good or is it just because it's quite close to what I like, yeah. you know, or what I might write? You know, I'm not near the godlike status of Phoebe <laughs> Waller-Bridge, but, you know, um, I, I did sort of go, oh, is it just because all of the twists feel quite obvious to me, but to other people they would not? Do you yeah, know I, mean? I, no, I do know what you mean. I, thought the f I actually thought the first <laughs> two were brilliant. The third one was weird because the guy made some odd choices. And the, okay. and, the, and the twist was what was going to happen was just so obvious that you think why did, why did he do that right. and then later on I think some of it's like it gets I think better so, well I'm it gets better and it gets worse I think some of it, stick with it so, I sure. think it's definitely worth watching but I can absolutely see what you but I, what I like about it is the quirkiness of the characters in it really, you know, so they're real people and, yeah, and the women that. are real I love, people I love the, the writing of it actually yeah. that, that's you know that, that quirkiness is what I like yeah. the fact that she's sort of stinking and getting out of bed and forgetting to have sex with her husband and stuff I appreciate all of that I think that, oh, that's all brilliant but I just wasn't as blown away by it as I was prepared to but but also you should the, never do that the problem is everyone tells you something's great and then it's then it's yeah. built up too much yeah but then, you know maybe that's the good thing about sightseers someone gave it three stars and then lots of people went it's much better than that yeah you Idiot. That's what, you know. that's what I'm hoping will happen with everything I've ever done. <laughs> Eventually. Someone like, no, it wasn't a shit. I had, I had a, if you want to look up good. an amazing one-star review. Oh, there was, a, there was a Sightseers review that said, um, Steve Oram and Alice Lowe, bit part television actors, uh, managed to get in this <laughs> film sort of thing. And, I, and that was quite amazing. Um, but there was also a one-star revenge review, which... Um, I read way, way after, like, I read it quite recently. I was like, oh, what's this? I've not seen this one. Oh, my God. <laughs> and actually, it, was, it sort of made me laugh, because by this stage, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I love reading bad reviews, actually. Yeah. Sometimes it's more of a compliment to get one star than it is to get three, I think. No. No, it's, it's definitely worse. It is, because it, it means worse. it provoked... That's why it's too worse. It means it provoked a reaction. Two stars, two stars worse. <laughs> but it means You've misunderstood they had a strong maths there. That is, it's much worse. If I get five stars, it's better than three. And four stars. But it means they had a strong reaction I know. to well, it. No, it is. Well, you know, people aren't going to like everything you do. So, you know, no. that's... And that's... 
This guy, can I say this one star review? Not that I learn them off by heart, but I do, the bad ones. This guy said, I resented the enforced subjectivity. Which I was just like, isn't that all cinema? It's like <laughs> enforced subjectivity. Like I made you feel what the character was feeling. I'm sorry that it was a woman. But you know <laughs> I think they should remake Prevenge with a man as the pre- Okay, Have you that's thought the remake. About that? That's the remake. It's called uh, the well, ju- Junior, isn't it? I'm just doing, I'm just doing all of the Arnold Schwarzenegger film. Um, what is the worst thing a cow has done to you? Would you say, um, in your opinion, in your horse. subjective opinion? I could say a horse. Was that the question, though? That is, that's what, I mean, you might have an amazing horse. Okay, I'm going to allow the horse. I'll allow a horse. <laughs> I haven't got a cow story. Okay. Um, uh, when I was a little kid I read this book called Millie Molly Mandy and there was a oh, story about a little girl and there was a very specific thing about a little girl who went she went out with a basket on a picnic with all these little things in like a little notebook and a little you know boiled egg and just like little things and I we were going out for a country walk and my dad my mum said I said can I bring that basket and I put all the same things that were in this and I was really happy and um <laughs> We went to a field and there was a horse and my dad was like, oh, look at the horse and it was massive. I was probably about six or something. Massive, this horse. And he was like, look at this horse, isn't it lovely? And I was like, yes, it's lovely. And I just knew this horse meant evil, basically. I knew it meant ill towards me. And um, the horse declined its head like that and I closed my eyes because I was so scared. This horse went like this. And it just took my basket (laughs) and ran away with it. Let's <laughs> do that. Took my basket. They're sneaky horses. There's lots yeah. of horses around where I live, and I walk the dog at night time. They're very scary at night horses. Are they? Yeah. What do so they, they stand, do? Well, they stand really still, but then if you, they look at you. And then sometimes they really run around quite skittishly, and like, it's just you in a field with a horse right next to you. They're big animals. They're aren't big. They? They're beautiful, but they're terrifying. Yeah. And they're plotting something, and they're really, when you look at them up close, <laughs> again, Babies and horses <laughs> prove that life is not real. <laughs> the horse is, a horse is not a real animal. When you look at its face, it's got whiskers. You know, a horse can, a horse can uh, use its back leg to scratch its ear. Have you ever seen that happen? No. I've seen it happen. Someone told me about it, and then, and then it happened about two days later, and I've never seen it again. Have you ever again, seen... proof that this is a video game. That's the kind of thing that would happen. Have you ever seen oh, have you horse... ever seen a horse scratch his ear? No. Oh, it happened. Never happens again. Is there a horse in your field with a basket? There is. <laughs> in the night time, just holding a basket in its mouth. It can't get it. It's just with... stuck there. Oh, I wish I could get this fucking food out. We um, want to use this notepad and 50p, which was in there. <laughs> an old 50p <laughs> so have you ever met Brian Blessed I'll ask you this question which I haven't asked since we've no, had him on we, 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 I'd we love can go to back. Have you, no, you've never Would met him I? no no I've seen him on stuff have you yeah what did you see him on Loose Women oh, did you? I, to, I yeah. don't know was he on Loose Women I feel like he was on Loose Women just like I mean he's been on everything he's been on this he's, <laughs> you know if he'll come on this have you been on Loose Women no <laughs> Do you know what? I probably will. Well, you know, I should try to yeah. because, it, you know, a lot of people watch it. <laughs> you know, but I find it oh, horrific. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's horrific. It is horrific. But I'll go on it if anyone's out there that wants to put me on it. It's a lot of viewership. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is the question after Brian Breasted in the book. What is the scariest thing that has ever happened to you in a B&B? For reals. Oh, for reals. I've got a brilliant one. Okay. I shouldn't... I shouldn't big it up too much. Okay. So when I was on tour with um, uh, Garth Marenghi and it was Richard Ayoade, Matt Holness, me and Paul King, the writer and director of Paddington, he actually used to drive us around. He was our director and yeah. he used to drive us around in a car to different venues. And we were doing a tour and like Matt and Richard were like, oh, we don't want to do a tour. We hate tours. We're really miserable about stuff. And... Um, <laughs> And so Paul was like, I'll book us some really nice B&Bs. And um, he did. He booked us some really nice B&Bs, but one of them was by the seaside. And it was this man with a comb over. He was literally like a League of Gentlemen character. He had a comb over and lots of those little figurines everywhere, dusty figurines and, you know, plastic flowers. 
And in the morning, I woke up like bolt upright with the loudest uh, panpipe synthesizer music <laughs> that I have ever heard. It was about six in the morning and we came downstairs and this man was just belting out this stuff. And we sat down for breakfast sort of shell-shocked and he was like, uh, this is me, I play all of this on my Casio keyboard <laughs> and here is the CD. If you would like to buy it, this is Autumn Moods. And um, it, yeah, and, it, and he was like, I've got no musical training. I just, <laughs> I just make it up myself. And it was stuff like a spoonful of sugar. <laughs> like, but all with like just synthesizer on a Casio. Wow. Did you buy the CD? No. no. You definitely should have and then just listened to it over and over again in the tour bus. It was, yeah, it yeah. was creepy as hell. Yeah. It was really creepy because I was like, what is he doing? He was like, it was like he's trying to get us out in retrospect. <laughs> he think, just wanted us out. I think he was trying to get, on, you know, get in with you. He could have told you. I could come on tour. I could come on in the interval, play my songs. <laughs> <laughs> no. That would work with Garth No, it was one of the weirdest experiences, I have to say. Well, there we go. Yeah. I knew that'd be a good one. Well, look, is there, what's coming up that you can talk about? Anything good or is it all so, secret? So, uh, London Film Festival is showing Sometimes, Always, Never, which is a film starring Bill Nye, <gasps> a script by Frank Cottrell Boyce. Um, that was a lot of fun to film. Um, I've just filmed a film with Simon Bird from The Inbetweeners. It's his Very directorial good. debut. It's called The Days of Bagnold Summer. And what else? Oh, and I just filmed something with Craig Roberts, who was in Submarine. Okay. Um, and he has directed a feature film, and it's uh, Sally Hawkins and Billy Piper and David Hewlis and me. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. Good. So I've well, had a well, good summer, and all of those are coming out at various. But you can see sometimes, always, always never quite soon. Cool. So in October. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. Is the beer nice? Beer 52? I've had a lovely time. It's actually very nice, yeah. this pale ale. I've drunk my yes. whole one. I, I'm I, very I slow. <laughs> oh, no, I haven't. I've still got a little bit left. Just, it feels like my, it feels like it's been, I'm, I'm very drunk, <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> what time is it? Is it like midnight yeah, it's like, now? it's like, uh, it's, it's, we've travelled in back, we've actually travelled back in time. It's gone on so long. <laughs> We've gone all the way around this past time. Tudor people in the yeah. audience. They're very impressed by this <laughs> bottle of beer. Uh, I don't know how much of that you at home are going to hear, but we had a nice time here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's Alice Lodge! Thank you. Thanks for having me. You have been listening to Richard Tang's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast with me, Richard Tang, and my guest, Alice Lowe. The music, as always, is by Pest. Uh, thank you very much to everyone at the British Comedy Guide, everyone at uh, gofasterstrike.com. Uh, especially Chris Evans, not that one, or that one who's not Captain America anymore. Thanks very much also to everyone at the LeicesterSquareTheatre.com. I would like to especially thank our executive producer this week, Hugh Lind Evans. I am from Wales, I expect. Uh, and I am indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. This is a FuzzGoFasterStrike.com and Sky Potato production. Thank you for listening. You can watch it on YouTube as well, you know. Buy my book. Bye. Thank you for watching. Remember, you can buy gofasterstripe.com slash EQ. 1,001 emergency questions. Uh, Dave Gorman says, on paper, this ought to be a terrible idea. And yet here it is, literally on paper, and it's brilliant. Also, if you want to support our sponsor, Beer52, um, you can get eight free craft beers by heading to beer52.com slash uh, And you can get eight free craft beers and also sign up if you wish to get those every month for just £24. They've been really nice to us and they're delicious different beers. You get all these craft beers. You can try different ones from all over the world, my friends, my fan friends. Thanks for watching and listening and smelling. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>